Jackie Coburn, referred to affectionately as an iron fist in a velvet glove, is passionate beyond belief about making sure that self-awareness is demystified once and for all. She's a life coach and a personality coach, Enneagram coach. She's a dynamic, out-of-the-box thinker and champion for personalities who believe they are limitless. Her passion is simple helping people craft their own narrative with the right language, tools, and insight to enjoy their human experience and live their dream life as themselves. Jack is a heart-centered giver with a remarkable sense of purpose. Her down-to-earth approach provides a safe space for the reformer, the giver, the achiever, the individualist, the observer, the guardian, the enthusiast, the challenger, and the peacemaker to take their places at the table whatever that means for them. She's an obsessive learner and avid question asker who firmly believes everyone's personality is dying to shine through and dominate the world. They just need to be asked the right question. Hello, everybody. I'm so pleased to have here with me today for the Healer Hub podcast, Jackie Coben, who is a life coach and a personality and Enneagram coach. Hey, Jackie, happy to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. And I so I've seen you face-to-face twice now over video and your hair has looked gorgeous both times. Um, and I had to say something on the microphone because I was like, your hair is so wild and beautiful. So jealous. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that. And I was thinking about you and how you have different personalities depending on the way that you are wearing your hair. So yep. <laughs> it's a hair day, yes. A hair day. Okay. So who are you, Jackie? And what is your background story? Sure. So my name is Jackie. I'm uh, I live on the East Coast in in the United States. I live in New Jersey, uh, just eight miles outside of Manhattan. And uh, my my story in terms of how I got involved with personality coaching and life coaching is I found myself in a similar place that uh, most people, but I'll say most women find themselves in every now and again. Um, and sometimes it's like a, a theme in their lives. But I got to a place where I was hitting rock bottom. I was at a crossroads. And when the only person around to speak up for myself was me and I didn't have any language to describe myself. I had no concept of who I was. How would I stick up for myself? I didn't know what I wanted or what I was living my life running from, protecting myself from. And uh, I realized there was a bigger responsibility to myself. And that's where it started. Long story short, I was working at a job that burnt me out. And uh, I was like, uh, I'm my responsibility. And so I started looking into uh, the Enneagram in terms of personality and um, it's funny when I first looked into it, I like put it down for six months because I was like, this feels embarrassing and I don't want to look at it anymore. Um, but it was the best thing that I did. And so that's my story and how I got started. Um, I've been studying uh, the Enneagram for over a decade and uh, I've been using it in my coaching for the last five years and it's been incredible. Mm-hmm. So can you introduce us to the concept? Because I'm pretty sure that not a lot of people know what it is about. I heard about it in different, you know, spiritual circles. But what is the Enneagram system and how how can people actually use it? How is it helpful for people? Yeah, no. So uh, it, it, it's funny because it's I first heard of it in uh, a neutral circle. And then I, I heard after I was like, oh, it's involved in 
different spiritualities, different uh, religions, different neutral modalities. So it's it's kind of cool because it doesn't really belong to like one sect or pocket. But basically what it is, is personality typing. And after I say that, I'm going to remove the word personality from it. And I'm going to say, it's your essence. And the reason I make that distinction is your personality is what you do out loud, but your essence tells you why. And that's what the Enneagram measures, quote unquote. So if you do something like Myers-Briggs or um, something from Carl Jung like that, um, you get essentially how you see the world and how you can explain yourself to the world, but you don't really get your why, you know? And so what the Enneagram does is it on a larger scale, it breaks people's quote unquote personalities down into nine main types, all having a core fear, a core motivation, and a core desire. Something that it's our our who, what, and why. Why do I do this? Who am I? When do I do it? How do I do it? Why do I do it? And um, from there, from the nine main personality types, it there are so many variations. There are hundreds of variations because humans are complicated. Um, but basically, it helps us to understand why we do what we do. So number one, we have more control over what we do. And uh, number two, it helps us to open our eyes to see the different things that we feel like we're running from, we feel like we need protection from, we feel like we need to excel in or whatever. But in reality, there's very little from which we need to be protected. And those lies are stopping us from living our lives. And so what the Enneagram does is it sheds light on who you are right now and who you are supposed to be and helps you get there. Mm -hmm. That's great. It seems so clear. And I'm thinking, wow, who wouldn't want to know their essence and then just find a way to move forth in life? Um, you mentioned the nine personality types. Can mm -hmm. you summarize? And then you mentioned that each of them has a fear and a pull, a desire. Can you yeah. mention just like very briefly each one of them, knowing that uh, in the link notes, we will also have access to your freebie where we can see everything written down very nicely. Yeah. and concisely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, let, I'll go through them one through nine. Uh, they they all have their nicknames. I'll go through them, but um, it's typically just one through nine. So Enneagram type one is called the perfectionist or the reformer, and they are ethical, very principled. They've got a, a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And they are the judge of that. And so for them, they have to fix and reform their environment because they feel it's a reflection of themselves. And that's how they live their lives. Type two is called the helper or the giver. And they are warm and interpersonal. They're really good at meeting other people's needs, not so good at meeting their own or even recognizing that they have needs. Uh, and their core fear is that they are not just um, unloved, but unlovable. And they feel that helping or giving earns them that spot. Um, the type three is called the achiever or the performer. And this type, I mean, go for the gold. They are highly competitive, like dressed to kill. They are sharp. They are CEOs, like they are go-getters. Um, and for them, there's a very, very blurry line between where their achievements end and where they begin. And because they don't know the difference between that line, it's just go time in achieving for them. Type four is called the individualist or the tortured artist, which I think is so funny. Um, and they are, I make this joke, they don't just do feelings or have feelings. They are feelings, negative, positive, everything in between, every spectrum of feelings that you could feel. The type four feels them in a day. And for them, they want to find significance and identity and individuality in what they do. And they want to leave their print. They want to know and understand that the world sees them as special as they feel. 
Uh, Enneagram type five is called the observer or the theorist. I think theorist is kind of fitting, but they are 100% cerebral. They are they're the best person to call if you're comparing cars or computer models. They're very, very by the book, very factual. And for them, they go through life doing two things. Number one, managing their energy so that they don't get run out and depleted. And number two, collecting all of the knowledge and all of the information that they need to help them survive in, in the world. Type six is called the loyalist or the guardian. And there's very important reasons for those names. Loyalist, because you're in their loyalty, you've got it, they you've got their loyalty for life. Guardian, because they're a bit of the guardian for the rules. If you know someone who rings the alarm because they love people, something's not right. This person is off. I, I got I, something's going to happen. Who can think of the end from the beginning? Uh, they're probably a type six. They um, they're the type of person that lives in code yellow all the time. I always say that it's never a red light, it's never a green light. It's just always kind of in the middle. Type seven is called the enthusiast, and they're kind of like the Peter Pan. Uh, of the personality types. They are fun and exciting and uh, excitable. And they just, they want to share joy and they want to bring joy. They want to have joy. For them, they like to move from one thing to the next very quickly, mentally, projects, fun things. Vac they're thinking about the next vacation when they're boarding the plane from the last vacation. Uh, and that is because they don't want to get stuck where they are because that might be very painful. Type eight is called the challenger or the contrarian, and they have this need um, or desire to be against. And for them, it's not that they want to appear that they're strong or they want to appear that they're rebellious or different than, than everybody else. It's that they really need to make sure that you see they're not coming off as weak and they cannot be messed with and they cannot be they cannot be challenged even though they are doing the challenging. And that's their goal. They don't want to be blindsided, blindsided and they go through life that way. And type nine is called the peacemaker or the referee. Uh, I prefer peacemaker, but referee is great because they're really good at mediating, but um, they are go with the flow. They're warm and they're just, they're the sweethearts of the Enneagram, but they unfortunately find themselves in a lot of confusing situations and inauthentic relationships because they go with the flow in relationships to avoid conflict as much as possible. And then they wonder if people around them really know them. And so those are the nine types in a nutshell. So listening to you, first of all, I was like, oh my God, she really knows this stuff. And she's like really passionate about it. And secondly, I was like, it's easier for me to tell you which ones I am not. <laughs> because yes. I am taking pretty much everything oh, yeah. apart from two and five, like two and five kind of not, but <laughs> everything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting because when I first... First of all, the healthier you are as a person, uh, the more likely you're going to see yourself in all of the types because humans are not one dimensional unless we are in fight or flight, right? So that's a great thing for you. Uh, I will say when I first looked into the Enneagram, I, I'm not a, I don't like the online tests. I'm not a fan. Um, they've gotten better with the years, but I typed as a type six and I was like, mm, not really. Like I feel like most people in America have anxiety and would all type as a type six. So I put that on the back burner and then I took it again and I typed as the challenger. And I was like, I don't think that's me. Like, okay. So I saw myself in a lot of them. I was like, I kind of see myself in all of them except five and, and, um, and seven. That's what, or excuse me, five and nine. I was like, oh, I see myself in all of them except five and nine. And, um, when I came down to, to doing my type and how specific it was, I felt like someone was like ripping my clothes off in front of me and was like, guess what? You're naked. <laughs> that's what it felt like. So like it, to have similarities. And I think that's why it's so important because 
let's say you and I, I'm a two. You said you didn't relate to the two. So let's say we're two different personality types. We walk into a room, we might both be warm and want to have our environment love us and love our environment back and have a little bit of attention and give a little attention and all that stuff. But we have very different motivations and reasons why we do that. It fills two different cups in us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think understanding the motivations helps us separate the things we have in common with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering, was it any type for you that you felt that it completely doesn't resonate with you. Sometimes I'm thinking that the things that we most resist are actually the things that probably hold some sort of truth. Mm. <laughs> so yes and no. I remember um, reading the description for the Enneagram Type 3, the achiever or the performer. And um, because it's next to my type as the two, sometimes I can borrow inspiration. Same with the one. I can borrow inspiration from the one. So I uh, I very much went into denial and was like I don't have anything in common with the three I'm not a performer I'm not a I'm not an achiever I don't need to show up as something I don't and I was like yeah you're lying to yourself babe you definitely want to show up as something you're not sometimes so uh, I'd say yes like I've I've had those and even in the beginning I was like I'm definitely not a nine um, but I had no feelings towards it I just knew I wasn't the five I had feelings towards it I was like and I think I realized in hindsight that personality of person because they're very cerebral and I'm very emotional, maybe was like a hard triggering point for me. So I was like, I'm definitely not a five. I'm not a five. I'm not a five. I'm not. But as I've studied and studied over the last decade, five is one of the types that I'm like, am I this? Because I, I still, I'll still wake up on a random Wednesday morning and I'm like, oh, I'm definitely a different type than I thought I was. And then after an hour, I calm down and I stop having a crisis and I'm like, nope, you are who you've always been, babe. Like, it's fine. But yes, I think the phrase that comes to mind with that question is something I say to my clients is what I see in you exists in me or else I wouldn't know what it was. And so anything that I've uh, seen in the other personality types where I'm like, that's not nice. That is terrible. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I probably do that too. Don't I? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's really great awareness, right? Because I think that it's so difficult when you recognize it so bluntly in other people and you can really judge it and tear it apart in other people. And I'm like, yep. I probably have it. I do not want to admit to it, but yeah, <laughs> it exists Absolutely. somewhere in, in me. Okay, so how about if I wanted to know who I am and you said that you don't really resonate with the online tests, then how are you helping people or what kind of process are you taking people through so that they know which type they are? Yeah, so uh, I I will say there's a lot of practitioners you can meet with and they'll tell you your type through a series of different um, a, a series of different ways. I know some people, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because you don't have to work with me, right? Um, some people will send you a test and then just go over the results. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, what I do um, is I break down people into one of three groups first because all of the personality types can be grouped a little bit. And the easiest one to group is, are they a heart type? Are they a head type? Or are they uh, an instinctual type? And so, for example, uh, I'm part of the the heart types. And yeah, I follow my instincts, but I am part of the heart types. Um, let's say my, my sister or my brother or something might be a head type. But regardless of what that is, I can narrow it down from nine to three by figuring out where do they operate? Where do they tell stories from? Where do they receive information? What is their physical, emotional, mental response to things? Which 
center of their body, maybe it's their mind, which one goes in the back burner during stress. All of these different things help me to point to the three. I can narrow it down. And then from there, I start asking some questions about what's normal, but what's the exception? What's um, what's the everyday thing, but what comes up from it now and again? And, and helping to separate the characteristics from the essence or the habits from the motivation. So someone could completely present like one type, but be very, very motivated by the core fears and drivers for a different type. So essentially, in the 90-minute session where we're going through their type A to Z, that first part of it is I'm just asking them a lot of questions about themselves uh, and listening intently for their motivations, for their language, waiting and going, oh, why did you say that question like that? And just being able to be a mirror back to the other person to explain, to clarify. That's something that an online test will never give you, no matter what you're testing for. Um, and so from there, usually clients will come in with a list of goals. I want to do this. I want to make money. I want to have friends. I want to I get a boyfriend. I want to get married. And uh, we look at their core motivations, what they really aligned with, and we go, okay, is this really our goal or do we have a, a step zero before our goal? And they're like, oh, yeah, I definitely have a step zero. You know, my goal isn't to make friends. My goal is to learn why I'm very skeptical of everybody. Okay, got it. So mm-hmm. it it kind of changes. Um, I'll use my fiance's phrase. It windexes the mirror a little bit. It cleans the mirror a little so you can see yourself more clearly. And then you can have your dream life. And so it's like it's one of those things where it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of effort. And it's a lot of investment in yourself. This type of modality is for people who care to invest in themselves um, through time and patience. But holy crap, does it does it change? If, if you met me even five years ago, you'd be like, I have no idea who this person is. No idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about this, what you just mentioned, because of course, I have a lot of things that are kind of bombarding mm-hmm. my mind now. Um, what I heard you saying, firstly, is that sometimes people can have a goal, right? And it's interesting because you mentioned the ones that are usually on everybody's mind, which is find love, make money, find my purpose and have a community. And then what you mentioned was that you have this goal that sometimes can be also overwhelming, right? Or like you get, it can be really difficult to see how you approach it. And then you help them identify the first step, right? Like what is actually, right? And gain clarity, through their, I heard you say motivations and then essence, which is such a beautiful way of, of putting it because I think that everybody longs to be seen and loved and appreciated for their essence. But that's something that I imagine is very intangible for most people. So to have a modality that actually says, yo, this is what it is, this is what your essence is, and for them to recognize themselves, I imagine that it's extremely powerful and healing. It is. It's also, um, it can be a little intimidating. I I will say one of the hardest parts about personality study was coming to admit that everyone's personality, myself included, is just a coping mechanism. I'm I'm gulping from something. I'm hiding from something. When I step into my essence, it's uglier, it's messier, it's less staged, but it's more authentic. It's more me. And I'm, I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I, I struggle to say the word happy because that's a fleeting thing. I like to say the word joy because that I feel like is such a rooted um, feeling. But the truth of the matter is, is I 
it's not that I don't have anything to cope from. It's that the things that have scared me the most, motivated me the wrong way, the things that I thought that I needed to be protected from are not factors anymore. And so I feel like I'm a person that can presently deal with life as it comes and live for my dream life um, every step of the way without thinking to myself, what do I need to be protected from? Because the truth of the matter is when we are as we're adults and we step in, our, our only goal is to live an authentic dream life for ourselves that we're going to be proud of at our deathbed. And so when you take a step to the side and go, yeah, there's very little from which I need to be protected right now, including all this shit that I thought was really important at eight, we're okay. We're going to be fine. you know. And so, um, yeah, I think connecting with your essence, it's one of the scarier but more beautiful and more important things uh, to do. You asked the, an interesting question, like who wouldn't want to do that? I think the answer is everybody. I think <laughs> I, I think the answer is everybody because they're like we ourselves are even hiding it from us. I remember, you know, one of the funniest things about these typing sessions is there's a lot of denial in them. Denial in the sense that like they're like I don't really do that though. I'm like, okay. And like, we'll start talking and they're like, oh my God, I do do that. I do do. It just looks different. It's in a different color. It's in a different outfit. But, um, you know, all that, all that to say, I think the answer is nobody. Like, it's very scary. We hide these things even from ourselves. But when you hear this information, when you hear these things about yourself, when you, when someone is finally able to give you a why, you, you can look the other way, but you can't pretend you didn't hear it. You can't pretend you didn't know. And so it's it's that funny disparity between it's a journey that like nobody wants to really go on. But once we have the information, we can't say no to it. Once there's a little bit of like, I can authentically be me. I can understand. Like self-awareness can actually speak a language I understand. And it's not woo-woo and scary and super psychological. I can actually speak it and understand it. Yeah. Okay. I need it. I can't. I can't say no. Because this is the answer to my question: Is there more? This is the answer to my question: What was I made for? This is the answer. Like, so it's, it it answers these questions that like beckon inside of us. It's is it the most enticing thing? No, it's not sexy. It's scary, but it's very very worth it because it it tells us about ourselves. And as we learn about ourselves through the modality of ourselves, it becomes a joke when somebody tries to tell you about you. It's like no, mm. you don't you don't know me. I know me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, I mean, once you kind of step on this self-development process and different people choose different modalities, like I'm really curious about this modality because I can feel it in you. Like it's so present and it's screaming <laughs> through the screen, through the screen. And I, we will go into your story because I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, but it's never an easy journey, right? Like all the aspect that what you what you're mentioning, you created a personality to cope with the truth that you didn't want to admit and to look in the eyes. And then at one point, all the things that you were kind of using to hide from that are no longer making sense. And then you are at the crossroad and you need to decide. You know, like sometimes people decide to continue in another way with other distractions yeah. and you can go like that forever or I know <laughs> for many reincarnations, I, I believe in reincarnation, or you could just say, you know what, like it's going to hurt like hell. My ego, my, th th that aspect of me that doesn't really like to be fully honest, is not going to appreciate this very much. But what if I'm going to be able to live a more like a free life and more in alignment with something that I intuitively know that exists in this calling to be seen and to kind of be allowed to drive my life. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting when I when I think about it, like I, I think of it like a like any wound, like getting a shard of glass in your skin hurts, and getting the shard of glass taken out of your skin hurts. Pick your pick your pain. You need one of them, right? Pick your pain. Do you want the pain of the glass staying in your skin, or you want the pain of the glass like leaving, right? And and so it's funny. Throughout, you know, I'm I'm almost thirty. I'll be thirty in, in a couple months. And I've been doing this business for such a long time. You'd think that I know everything about my. I don't. And uh, it could be a random day of the week, and my fiance will, who doesn't know tons about the enneagram, will expose a behavior to me that I'm doing, and it fits the bill. And I'm like, "Damn it! You study this stuff. Like you study this for a living. Like get it together." But the truth is, is it has to just be a shame-free roadmap. Because in that moment, I could go like, "No, I didn't mean it." I could say you know, like this is a tendency that I do when I'm panicking. I just need like 10 minutes. I need to figure out what I'm panicking about, like all that stuff. And and it doesn't solve your problems. It doesn't exempt you from suffering. It doesn't exempt you from getting the, like a wound when something hurts, right? But it gives you the ability to start repairing connections, repairing connections within yourself um, and facilitates the understanding behind it. Because there's there's something that understanding and accountability do when you have them ha- hand in hand. And when you use the Enneagram for yourself, there is accountability and understanding. And when you use the Enneagram within your relationships because you use it on yourself, it impacts the understanding and the accountability in your relationships. And so it's like it's one of those things where it's like uh what's the, what is it? Like which would you rather? The 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 pain of growing or the pain of staying the same? I'd rather the pain of growing. I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it because I'm 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 listening to a lot of Alex Ramosi these mm-hmm. days and this is what he's saying right like what yeah. what are you willing to sacrifice yeah. um okay now i'm really curious about <laughs> who you used to be <laughs> oh my God. and as much of course as much as you feel safe to share and yeah. as much as that feels comfortable or aligned at this moment for you but basically you are the person who knows best where you started from and you also mentioned what you were hiding from or like what you're using as coping mechanisms and who you are today so just a brief (laughs) peek into your personal journey (laughs) i think i can do this i think i can do this so i will say one of the the important things about the enneagram is um well you have your your main personality type and one of the ways to know you're in fight or flight or out of whack is that you start to act like the unhealthy version of almost your opposite personality type, right? So the two is the giver, the helper. Super, super warming, very flattering, very charming. That's who I That's who I am. And when I'm in stress, I take on the attributes, all type twos take on the attributes of the challenger. Like very opposite people, very, very opposite people. And so... I will say that from a very, very young age, I was in fight or flight for many years. Like I spent most of like, I want to say 90% of my life acting like a type eight, right? In character, in characteristics, in behavior. That meant that because of my fight or flight, I, or because I was hiding from myself, um, which I'll go into in a sec, I was more aggressive instead of warm. I was more dominating instead of loving. I was more manipulative. I was like, I was like, I was a twat. I was I, honestly like, I was not a nice person. I was one of those people that would step on anyone or anything to get and feel loved. 
Now we know that fabricated control is not real control. Um, the type two fears that they are unloved, that they are unlovable, and mostly that they're just tolerated by everybody around them. And I felt that. I still feel that at times. Like it, it, it's a resound. It's a resounding. I, it's a resounding. I don't belong here. And everyone is appeasing you to make you feel like you belong here, but you have to earn your keep. And I would remember, like, so my motivations never changed to be loved or to be lovable. And I would do that by helping and by giving. But because I was in fight or flight and I was borrowing from the challenger, the way that comes across is incredibly boundary crossing. It's rude. It's aggressive. It's impatient. It's it's getting mean and showing teeth when people don't take your advice. Like when I when you think of the most pure version of who a giver could be and when you put it's like you put on a, a not a label but an idea on them that they are doing this from survival it's never going to be pretty and so it was not pretty it was a mess and i was uh part of like a, a nonprofit world where i was helping people i was helping people 24/7 and i was like this feels like a natural extension of myself but it doesn't feel good. And my cup is empty. And I feel like I'm mean. I don't recognize myself. And it, it just, it, it didn't, it felt weird because even when I was doing things that were a natural extension of myself, a natural extension of my gifts, it felt wrong because my motives were not in the right place. And I don't mean my motives to give. I mean my motives and my outlook on the world, which is interesting because people tend to say like, what are your motives when you're doing XYZ action? But we don't ever say it like, how do you see the world? How do you think the world sees you? How You know, all of that. So um, to give you a small glimpse, I find myself now being able to tap into the parts of the challenger when I want to. So instead of like, yes, I am a warm and giving person. But when I see somebody who I love and who I've cared for being disrespected, there's something in me that rises up to challenge and to protect them through love. So it's like I'm still able to tap in and to find that inspiration from the challenger, but I don't constantly feel like I'm trying to measure my lovability and my worth by giving anymore. So now that I've taken that out, not all, not all, not all the time because we're not perfect, but when I take that out of the running as the main motivation for my life, I can really see who I am. So having the book opened for me, essentially having my eyes opened to what does the type two struggle with? Well, it struggles to feel loved. And I have to be honest with myself, if I don't feel like I'm needed or useful in a room, I have a really hard time. And instead of making it propel me to the sink to show off by doing dishes, it makes me stop and go inward and go, why do you need someone or anyone's attention right now why do you feel like you have to be need like what is happening in this room that makes you feel like you need to earn your keep or earn the love or whatever and so instead of reacting from a place of the absolute opposite of my personality it gives me a second and the authority the power the ability the control to step back for a quick sec and go what is like my coping mechanism actually telling me about what I think is happening in this room right now? And it's been the most powerful thing. So long story short, short story long, I don't really know, but that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It it made me think also of shadow work and how mm. it seems that each type has not a shadow type, but just a type that exacerbates the hidden aspects or the repressed aspects. 
So this is what I was hearing you mentioning with you being a type two. And then I imagine it also type twos are the people whom usually other people take advantage of because they are so giving and so open. So then you do need that conscious type five. This is where the line, <laughs> this is where yes. the line is. Yes. And, and, and that's the thing, right? Is if you're a type two, you have it in you to tap into the challenger, right? The same way that we all have gifts and abilities, but they're just like muscles. Those muscles atrophy without use or they get stronger with proper use, with proper exercise. And so it's one of those things where it's like you learn it over time, but you're able to tap into all of these different things. Like I tell people, I'm like, when you can manage your motivation, you're going to be managing it for the rest of your life. It's okay. It's going to be okay. But when you manage your motivations, the things that you thought stopped you in life or held you back in life, they're usually going to end up being your superpower. Just watch. And that's what it is. Those things that like I, I, people told me my whole life, you're so aggressive. You're so this, you're so that. You're th-. And now that I've worked on myself and become this healthy version of me, knock on wood, right? Um, I feel like I can combine my natural ability to love people and to help them do what's best for themselves with my ability to sometimes challenge people through love. And it's like, okay, I fl- I'm, I'm practicing and flexing the muscle. My muscle is not dying because I'm not using, like I'm, it's, it's working. The muscle is working. It's not a reaction. It's not a protection. It's not a coping mechanism. I'm using it because I can and I'm, because I'm allowed to be a multidimensional human being. But I got to deal with my core motivations and my fears that keep me blind, like with blinders that keep me one dimensional. So yes, we, we all have things that we hide in, hide behind, hide under. Um, but you said it earlier and you said it best, like we're all really dying to just show up as ourselves. All of us, even the people that want to hide, they want to hide and be known and seen as themselves. Maybe just not in public on display, on display, but everyone does. Everyone wants to be known as themselves. And it's really interesting what you mentioned also, it was your story, right? Like the, the type five behavior was the truth in that moment. So even if you mm-hmm. were most of the time type type A, type two, which is your essence, then the type five would come. Because I think that everybody kind of wants to also display the aspects that are not yet integrated and to be loved for those aspects too. Um, it's, I think it's a part of the human nature. We, I, I, I am very skeptical about people who display only the desirable aspects and like something is really off there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, totally. So, and and so, yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so yeah, two does go to the eight, but every number has their number that they go to or borrow from in stress. And so like that same concept applies to everybody. We end up being someone we can't even recognize under stress, but with help and with practice, we can be someone we recognize just the angry version of that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So which are the the types that combine <laughs> oh like which types like go well together yeah, yeah. as in you type two and type five are like when type two is out of alignment it shows up as a type five in its less desirable aspect, it shows up as right? a type eight yes as a type so eight. Sh- yes mm-hmm. so the the two will show up as an eight when it's uh under stress but every single type shows up as a different type when it's under stress and when 
um, when it's healthy. So I'll, I'll use my type as an example, just to save on time, things like that. Everyone can do, you know, do the research, but, um, when the type two is healthiest, they borrow from the individualists, the type four. And the reason that's so important is because twos are very people focused and very focused on meeting other people's needs. We don't say what we're feeling out loud. We don't like to talk about what we need or if we're in pain or if something's going on or what's going on in our hearts because that makes us less available to people, right? And so even though I don't necessarily want to be available to everybody, that's something I still have to deal with. So when I am comfortable to fully express my emotions, like the type four, they have this huge capacity for depth for emotions from A to Z. Um, I know it because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in this healthy place because I feel, for example, with my fiance, I feel most at home telling him what I need, telling him how I feel, telling him how something may have affected me because I feel healthy and safe with him and I can tap into that part of myself. And so every type borrows inspiration when they're stressed, when they're healthy. But if you think about it, it all kind of resounds around this whole thing of I just need to be someone I'm not for right now. I just, I just need somebody else to get the job done. And we're all, we all kind of want someone bigger, stronger, faster, better to come save us. And when we go to a certain type in stress, that's what we're hoping for. Mm. We're hoping for someone who isn't ourselves, but we know it's going to be us to come in and scoop us and save us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like an archetype, right? That you yes. use Sasha Brave just <laughs> to go through the concert and shop as the entertainer that you may not yet be. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that the first session with somebody is when you have the talk and you ask them all those questions. I'm curious about how does it evolve? So you mentioned also that maybe sometimes you need a lot of time once you start this journey and kind of an idea of once people want to start and they are curious about the their Enneagram typology, it starts with this initial conversation and then how can it develop? And also, what do most of your clients, are there recurring themes that people mm -hmm. come uh, to you for? Yeah, I will answer the last question first. So the common themes that people come to me and the common themes are all over the map, but they're just about anything that you could think of. Relationships, money, debt. I don't know how to manage. I feel like I'm going out of control. One of the big ones recently is I don't feel like I'm the main character of my life. Um, but I will say that they are the one thing that they all have in common. All the things that people come to me for are people come to me because they feel like what they're coming to me with, their goal, their problem is the biggest, most important thing or is the thing that's going to, if we remove this, it's not going to hold me back anymore. That's the thing that everybody has in common. We all have this thing where if it's like, oh, I just need Coach Jack to like remove the obstacle and then I'm good. I can do this. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the most common thing, but people will come all over the map. Essentially what happens is we'll talk and we'll say, okay, what are your goals? And I had this conversation with someone the other day. She said, uh, I started a business. I feel really accomplished, but um, I'm having, number one, I'm having a hard time balancing being a parent and a wife and having a business. That's number one. And number two, she said, now I'm making all this money and I don't really know how to manage it. And I don't, I don't really know what to, where, where to start. And so I said, okay, here's what we'll do. We're going to go over your personality type. We're going to go through it A to Z. We're going to 
understand where you fit. What like what part of the personality and the archetype, the um, the key traits, the characteristics, the motives, what parts speak to you? Where have you seen them throughout your life? Where do you see them presently? Where did you see them start earlier in life and continue on, on to presently, right? We're laying a little bit of a foundation for, well, why are we where we are now, right? Mm-hmm. From there, I go, okay, so this is the type of person you are. And this is the type of spending you do, but you want your finances here. Okay. Based on who you are. Now, again, I'm not a financial expert. Based on who you are, these are the type of goals, habits, and tangible things that you can do to start understanding how to keep and make your budget. Um, You want flexibility in being a wife, a mom, and a business owner. But let's say, for example, this person's a type three, the achiever. So Whatever they're doing, they're just trying to give 3,000% because they think that if they win or they achieve, it means that they are loved or lovable. And so they're getting burnt out and they don't have time to be a wife or whatever the case is. So we're going, okay, we're going to work on showing up and being loved as a person outside of your works. So maybe step one is we're going to start a hobby that you're not very good at, right? It it sounds silly, um, but essentially what it is, is we take your real goals we understand your personality type and what fits. And we ask, okay, are the goals still the same? Is there step zero? Is there, and sometimes they're still the same. So we go, okay, now that we know who you are, my main package is usually three months. Um, I do like month to month as well, but three months. In these three months, we're going to learn. It's like learning yourself boot camp. That's number one. Number two is we're going to get your goals to be as concise and specific as possible. And number three, we're going to set you up in these three months so that one day when you don't need me, want me, and when when this three months is over, you're reaching that goal by yourself. Not with me, not with my help, not because I did it for you, but you. all we're doing is setting up the systems. And let me tell you, sometimes we get to like the end of the second month and we haven't even touched the goals, but just because we've started working on the Enneagram stuff and, and understanding where do we fit in this, where does my motivation fit, some of those goals start working themselves out. Like I had a client who she said, I uh, I need to make friends. And I said, well, why don't you have any? And she said, oh, I don't have time. I said, okay, no problem. She ended up being a type six, very skeptical of everybody. Um, and as we started working through the type six, the skepticality is where did that start? How does that continue in childhood? How did that translate to when you were dating your husband? Blah, blah, blah. By the end of the second month, she already had a friend group that was starting. I didn't talk to her about making friends. So I'm surprised to find a lot of the, a lot of my clients' goals work themselves out. And so what I decided to do is I'm going to spend our three months together laying that foundation. It's getting to know yourself boot camp. It's laying the foundation for a sustainable you-based process and how to move forward. Um, and then a lot of clients, you know, I call them the graduated clients. They do month to month with me. They'll check in. They'll check in sometimes just on WhatsApp. We do like a once a month WhatsApp voice note, things like that. But um, that's essentially where it is. It's very individualized and specific because that's the only thing that's going to stick for them. That's the only thing that's going to stick for anyone. Mm, I love it. When when I hear you speaking, ever since we started the recording, I just have this feeling that it's so clear and so transparent that people instantaneously must trust you and the process because it, it's just so tangible, you know, like there is no fluff, there is no woo. It's yeah, it just makes sense, I think, for the heart and also the logical brain. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It it it's it does 
make it does make sense. It does. It does make sense. But the beautiful thing about it is you don't have to make everything make sense for you. Sometimes, you know, it's funny. I find people who are not my repeat clients to be some of the best because they'll come in for that one time typing session and I will maybe say the one phrase, the one sentence, like the one thing in the whole 90 minutes that was like, that's it. That's the one. That's what I'm missing. Thank you. And they take, and literally that was what they needed. And it was like, oh, having clarification around this one part of why I do this gave me everything I needed to take it and run. And that's okay. That, you know, it, it, some people, I would have been that person that needed the three months and then the month to month, but would have eventually eased out. That's okay. Um, and whatever the case is, like, as long as you know that whether you make it in this world authentically or you don't, whether you show up as yourself or you show up empty, um, there's going to be a mirror in front of your face. So you might as well learn that that person's with you forever. And you might as well learn to love that person and learn that you are that person's guide and nurturer. That person that you look at in the mirror is essentially the adult version of your inner child and assume they've been locked in a room for a long time and they need a hug and a little bit of attention. That's really what it is. Mm -hmm. I had this visual of, I think that so many people struggle with this. It just feels that we have this tangled thread inside. And what you mentioned about this client who got that one thing and it's in that basically you together co-creating the pulling of that one thread and then the whole <laughs> the yeah. whole mess just fell apart and just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> there it is. My whole world, yeah. my whole reality. It's a lot of the, that's a lot of what it is. It's a, a lot of it's like, wait, I I'll never forget my my dearest best friend from college, who's still my best friend. Um, I remember going through her type with her. And when we talked about her type and we talked about one very specific trait that only exists in that type, and I remember being like, so this is something that all of your personality type struggles with. And she was like, wait a second, that everybody doesn't have that? And I said, no. She's like, so you're telling me that people exist in this life. Like the one thing that I was talking to her about was uh, one of the personality types, the perfectionist or the reformer has an inner policing system. Um, and it's not just about right or wrong or anything like that. It's like a, like an inner parent. Anything that you do, you want to do, you feel like doing, you might do, you might say, they're, they're ready to say something to you about it, about how everyone's going to hate you. Um, and she looked at me, she's like, not everybody has that. And I said, no. She's like, like, you don't, I said, well, there are times where I'm like, ah, they're going to hate me if I cancel. That's just a regular thought. And she's like, yeah, I don't have regular thoughts like that. They're like assaulting. And, and I'm like, yep, yeah, that's it. So it's funny because we, sometimes it's that one line. It's that one thing. It's that one thing that just shatters. Like I remember um, reading, people could have told me this my whole life, but when I was reading about my personality type and read the understanding that like, it's not me meeting people's needs that makes them love me. It makes them need me. And that's not what I needed at all. That was the one sentence that literally, un that thread that you were talking about, it was like that one string that undid the whole knot. And I was like, wow, I have a 40 mile long string and not a single concept about how the world really works. I've got some work to do. Like, you know what I mean? So it's funny because sometimes that one sentence, that one thought, that one thing just untangles something that we all thought was really our worldview for all this time. 
Yeah, 100%. What is your biggest life dream at this moment and how does it relate to the kind of work that you carry out? What a lovely question. Um, One of the things that I would love to do is I would love to, my biggest dream right now is to cater to people who uh, don't do well face-to-face. Um, and with that being said, like I want to create courses on um, the different types. I want to create courses on, that's my biggest dream is to create courses on even the different instinctual variants of each type. You know, as a two, I could be a self-preservation two, a social community two, or a sexual intimate two. Um, and I think those things make all the difference, right? And in, in why two people do the same thing, are motivated by the same way, but look different. So something like that, um, courses on different things, that's my next dream um, because there are a lot of people who are information people and I respect that, but I'm really good at face-to-face and I want to speak to, and I think this information is valuable for anybody who learns anyway. So my next dream, my next goal is to maybe put this down on paper and sell it as a course or uh, even gift it to people, but that's my next dream. Mm. Now, as you were talking, I thought about is this something that you can change your type or is it something that you are born with or conditioned into or so i like to i like to say it like this i i think a lot of things fall in this category but genetics loads the gun and environment pulls the trigger right and so uh you are one type you're always one type you your type doesn't change you either manage your motivation or you don't your behavior and your that that's how you evolve throughout life as a person but your characteristics regarding your type and your motivations will kind of see where you're at with managing them or not but you don't really change so when i if i'll give you this example if i embarked on this journey tomorrow and i said i need to be the healthiest version of jackie i'm not going to become the healthiest version of my mom or my brother or my mailman even if he's the nicest person in the world right i have a threshold of what's incredibly healthy for me and what's incredibly unhealthy for me. And that's the scale I'm going to grow with it. And it's not about me put, putting me in a box. It's just that if you could be anybody, how could you be individual, right? So that's, you know, that's that. But um, and you asked me another part of this question. Oh, uh, your, your part, your type doesn't really change over time, but you can grow. You can borrow inspiration from other types and things like that um, as you go through life. Hmm. Yeah. What do you find most rewarding in the work that you do? I don't think there's anything scarier than feeling misunderstood because being misunderstood for people translates in different ways. But for some, it's you don't know me. For some, it's you don't trust me. For some, it's that you you don't understand where I'm coming from. So being misunderstood by others is like the bane of our existence. Everything we do is to be seen and understood by others in a specific curated way. So to be misunderstood by your own self is an even bigger pain and and detriment and heartbreak. The most rewarding thing is when I start to see the light in somebody's eyes and they start to understand themselves. I remember, I'll never forget, one client looked me dead in the face. She's like, so I'm not crazy. I said, no, you're not crazy. And that for me, like I, I felt like it broke me. Like, you know, she had just told me about XYZ, her and her husband not being able to see eye to eye and him being able to, him going, you're crazy. And this and the other thing. And for me to like legitimately have language for the who, what, and why, and for her to be like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like, no, you're not crazy. You want to feel 
special and you're trying to feel special, you're not crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's really, it's really touching because I imagine that a lot of people just want to be seen, you know, like it feels yeah. so special to feel seen and heard by somebody in a session or by your partner, by your friends. So I imagine that that brought a lot of healing to her soul. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And that's really what it is, is, is for me, this did so much by empowering me to take responsibility and giving me the control of what I had control over. We only have control over ourselves. So it's so rewarding to give that to others and to see them take it and run. I, 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 some of my clients that I'm seeing right now are some of my first few clients still, and they are like to watch the growth from A to where they are now. I'm just like, what? Are you the same person? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I was wondering also about compatibility, what you just mentioned with this client and her husband. Are there mm -hmm. some types that just shouldn't get into a relationship or is it more about understanding who you are and then it's going to be so much easier to manage whatever relationship you find yourself into? So it's a, it's a very, it's a complicated answer. So by nature, I, I don't want to say there are types who don't get along, but there by nature, there are types that go together really well. Someone like um, twos and nines, they jive really, they're great friends. Um, twos and uh, nines and sevens can be great friends, things like that, right? Um, great in relationship. However, um, I always say this, there's not one type that you shouldn't be around. And if you want to know your type to measure who you do want to be around, take some time to withdraw and be around nobody and work on yourself. That's that's my my best advice I could give you. Um, there's a reason my business is called Table for Nine because having every single type around my table does not minimize me and does not make me a different person. Um, I will say though, there are some types that in their unhealthiest places can fight like cats and dogs. Um, so the first one that I think of um, that's the easiest to explain is like the four and the five. The four being this incredibly emotional uh, person can be moody sometimes, is always on the search for significance and for feeling special. And if they're not that they're healthiest, they're going for that in whatever way is necessary. The type five who lives in their head, wants a peaceful world without intrusions. Eh, they're not the healthiest. They don't really know how to manage themselves. And they're married to a four who needs attention and to feel special. It can feel like a lot. So there are some types that when we're not, like there are some types that jive really well together. And if we're not healthy as individuals, it's not working. Um, the, the goal is, is that whoever you are, know yourself to a capacity that you can be understanding of others. Knowing yourself and how to explain yourself is nothing. Knowing yourself to the point where you can understand others is essentially where it's at in terms of any healthy relationship. And so the answer to that is yes. The answer to that is no. The answer to that is spend some time with the person in the mirror and you don't have to think about who you get along with best. Mm, yeah. And I'm also thinking that sometimes, you know, we try so hard to kind of understand the world around us because then we know how to become the perfect chameleon or the pretzel, you know, that yes. is kind of everybody. But it seems that your work is more about becoming so true to who you are and so clear about who you are Then it's just so easy to manage the relationships because you are coming from a space of authenticity and then also welcoming other people. Yeah. And that also, and that doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. That doesn't mean that mm. you and your partner um, 
are able to get it right every time, that your needs are not going to conflict. Like the type two, one of my downfalls, and I find this to be true even to this day, is if my needs conflict with the needs of others, I get really frustrated. And I, and I, so that doesn't mean we get it right every single part of the time, but it makes me open to when he says is something wrong. It makes me open. It makes my understanding of myself has even made him more open of like, Hey, like is something wrong or did I offend you? And you know, it's not vulnerability and transparency are two different things. And a lot of times we have transparency in relationships, but to have vulnerability takes an understanding of ourselves to the degree that we understand the person across from us. So that's really the goal. And you do that for your, if you do that for yourself, you are effectively doing that for your whole world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who is your inspiration and why do you find them or it rewarding if it's kind of a concept or <laughs> something less tangible. My grandma. My grandma. I um I think my grandmother is the most inspired. I'd been thinking about this question for a little bit. I, I think my grandma is the most inspiring because she's somebody who uh, is not a perfect person by any means. It's the sweetest America sweetheart though. Um She's always been herself and she's always been herself unapologetically. And like, even when like the, you know, the whole family will jump down the throat of the little old lady. Right. But uh, it's like, stop cooking, sit down, you know, whatever. But when people are coming at her for these little things, things that bring her comfort, things that bring her joy, she fights for herself. And uh, it's something that she does in such a way that is tasteful and sweet and, and, loving and lovely. And she's like my main motivation for so much because I was like, oh, my sweet grandma who I'm five feet tall. She's a head shorter than I am. She's so tiny. And like she can speak up for herself and it's because she doesn't care how she looks. She cares that people know who she is. That for me was the most inspiring thing. And like I've always known that from a young age, but never really had the words for it until I was in this place where it's like, okay, well, you can live the rest of your life being miserable or you could be like your grandma. So, <laughs> have you done her type what type is she i haven't typed her just because i i don't know how she only speaks turkish and while i speak turkish i, I don't know if i can translate this like in the, in the same way um but i believe that she's either one the reformer or nine the peacemaker they're right next to each other so i have a hard time seeing like i see a lot of the similar behaviors in the one and the nine i just can't tell which one's the main type like which one is the one that the motivations come from so if i if i figure that one out i'll keep you updated 100 <laughs> we're gonna be on our toes just to find out <laughs> the type of your turkish grandmother <laughs> i know <laughs> thank you so much jackie this was really really nice it felt really good for me to be exposed also to your energy and to kind of feel my nervous system reacting in a very peaceful and grounded way so yeah i'm very i'm very grateful for that now where can we find you online oh th- thank you so much that was really I, I don't think people will know how much that meant to me, that uh, statement about your nervous system. So thank you so much. That meant a lot. Um, people can find me anywhere. Um, I am on Instagram at table for nine coaching. It's F-O-R and then the number nine. So table for nine coaching. My website is the same or you can go to knowyourdamnself.com. You'll find me there. Um, and yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I love DMs. It takes me a little bit sometimes to respond. So please allow a little bit of time, but I love DMs. So if you have a quick question or you just want some info, feel free to reach out. Mm, that's great. And everything is going to be in the notes. So they can go there. 
Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Is there anything else that you would like to share? No, that's all. I the only other thing I'd like to share is I, I was looking at your websites. I was looking at your YouTube channel a little earlier before we hopped on, and I think that like what you do is very freeing and beautiful and empowering in so many different areas. So just wanted to say thank you for what you do because we do very, very different things, but what you do is needed and I wouldn't be able to do it. And what I do is needed and I don't know if you'd want to or be able to do that. And so it's like, I feel like we need each other. And so I appreciate being on here, but I also appreciate what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank everybody for tuning in today. Amazing news. The Healer Hub podcast listeners get a 50% discount on their Enneagram typing session. Just use the code HHP at checkout on Jackie's website. Enjoy! Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support us is to subscribe and share. And if you know anybody who'd be a great fit to be featured on the show, please do reach out. Oh, 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 oh,